and we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, we had a wild Week 18 in the National Football League. A lot went down. We saw a team collapse and miss the postseason due to a loss they had on Sunday. Teams took advantage of that loss and were able to clinch a playoff spot. A lot of heartbreak for some teams. A lot of ecstatic, you know, notion for some other teams. And now we now know the 14 teams in this year's NFL postseason that will look to get to the Super Bowl this year. Weird to say 14 because the seven seed should not exist, and I will forever maintain that. Uh, if you win nine games, you should not be in the playoffs. I'm sorry. So each and every well, is there a seven? Oh yeah, the. Was there a seven-one team in the NFC? Packers, Packers, yes, yes. I'm sure I think of which nine team win made it, and I knew the Buccaneers were nine because obviously what what their division. We'll talk about that. I mean, that's a whole other disgrace, but that's besides yeah. the point. But yeah, but the Packers. I know Packers, you had a great season. Yeah. Excited about. I'm I'm really excited, excited about Jordan Love. I'm not gonna. Uh, if you've listened to me speak over the last probably ten weeks, you know I have nothing. Yeah, to we say we we know how we know your feelings about him. But yeah, the Packers. Uh, Maybe next year, get 10 or 11 wins. Sorry. No, it's, it's a rebuilding year for them, so they'll take it. But one team that was not certain of their playoff future was the Pittsburgh Steelers, Johnson. And they went into this game on Saturday with the the, the conference-leading Baltimore Ravens, who obviously were benching a lot of their stars in this game. So guys like Lamar Jackson weren't playing. And they went into this one trying to ruin the opportunity for the Pittsburgh Steelers going into this game and ruin their chances of making the playoffs. And let's face facts, this was a a weird game because obviously the conditions of this one were not as good. A lot of rain was down in Baltimore. So it led to both these teams trying to do what they've been doing best all season. That's running the football. And the Steelers, at the end of the day, they pretty much did it better than the Ravens did. And despite losing TJ Watt in this game, the Steelers were able to hold on 17 to 10. Mason Rudolph threw a huge touchdown pass to start off the fourth quarter, which would give the Steelers the lead and essentially give them this win. And because of that win, they were able to go into Sunday, obviously not controlling their own destiny, but because of some help along the way, which we'll get into a little bit, they were able to have a very good, you know, Monday considering what happened on Sunday, but overall for the Steelers on Saturday, a big win over their division rival Ravens, who they now beat both twice this season. Do you know the Ravens' record versus the Steelers compared to the uh, rest of the NFL? Uh, so Baltimore was zero two against them. Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm talking about for the last um. I, I'm sorry, I should uh, I should have specified over the last, the last couple, couple of seasons. Oh yeah, yeah, it's not good. Over the, so since 2020, so the last couple seasons, last uh four seasons, so the 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023 seasons. The Ravens are forty-one and eighteen versus the rest of the NFL, and one and seven versus the Steelers. Wow! They have one win against the Steelers post-pandemic. I, mean, I can't. Not a good stat line. Happened, but... Yeah, I can't either. But uh, the Steelers team ha- seems to have the Ravens' number. So I don't listen. They could have played at full strength because going into that game, they were one and six against them. I don't think it would have. It wouldn't have mattered. And that one game, I actually do know the one game that 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 uh that the Steelers lost to the Ravens. Guess who started at quarterback? It wasn't Kenny Pickett. It was Mitch was it Trubisky. Mitch? Oh. Yep. 
That is the one game they lost was against mm. Mitch Trubisky. And so to they, me, the Steelers yeah. kind of have a Ravens numbers. I mean, um, I know the Ravens are going to be the number one team in the AFC and they're the team to beat, but something about the Steelers team when they play the Ravens, it's like they're kryptonite. So if the Steelers can somehow pull off a couple of miracle wins, I think they'll beat the Ravens in the playoffs too. That's a bold prediction, though. That's that a very bold prediction, but that kind of alludes to what happens on Sunday. So we, we if you don't know by now, the Steelers did get some help, the help they needed on Sunday to clinch a playoff spot. I will talk about who they will play in the wild card round, but we have to talk about what who helped them along the way. But before we can get into that. I'll talk about the other game that happened on Saturday, and that was between the Colts and the Texans. And Johnson, we knew going into this game that it was winning in for either team. No matter who won the game, they were getting into the playoffs either as a wild card or as a division winner. The loser was going home unless there was a tie. So there was a chance still for both of them if there was a tie along the way. Could have happened like that chargers Raiders game a couple years ago, but I digress. Um, C.J. Stroud and the Texans, they started off strong in this game. I mean, Stroud threw a touchdown pass on his first pass attempt of the game, a 75-yarder to Nico Collins. And Collins had a monster game for the Texans in this one, 195 yards, nine catches, and that touchdown. And second half got a little bit you know, shaky for the Texans offensively. They really didn't have the success they had in the first half. They couldn't stop Jonathan Taylor either in this game, who had 188 rushing yards and a touchdown. But... A crucial drop pass from the Colts late in this game on fourth down cost them this game and cost them a postseason berth as the Texans clinched their first postseason berth since 2019 with this 23-19 win over the Colts. And the Texans now go to the postseason and they would await to see what happened in the Titans and Jaguars game to decide if they would be home for their first playoff game or if they'd be on the road. But nonetheless, Johnson... A hell of a job by D'Amico Ryans getting this team in his first season as a head coach into the postseason, especially with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, D'Amico's just become coach of the year. That kind of solidified it for me. That definitely solidified and it. And C.J. Stroud solidified his offensive rookie of the year. Listen, I think he was going to win it before this, but this just gave him more of a case. It's kind of undisputable at this point. Rookie quarterback to lead the worst franchise in the NFL to the playoffs year one. Man, couldn't have happened to a nicer team. Uh, especially after getting fleeced by those Bill, Bill, Bill O'Brien uh, trades. Great coach, offensive coordinator, not so much a great GM. He's, he's kind of trash in that department. Uh, but yeah, if only a team like the Jets could do that, but, you know, that means they'd have to be competent. So I don't think it's happening could have anytime soon. Could have had T-Law. Could have had T-Law. But yeah, now Stroud, 23 touchdowns to five picks on the season. When you have a rookie quarterback, there always throws five interceptions on the season. That that means you you're doing something right with this team. They really, you know, put a focus on limiting his turnovers going into his rookie campaign, and he did that this season. And you've seen emergence of some other stars from this team. How about Devin Singletary? He was really good for the Texans this season, and that was coming off a couple of years with Buffalo, where you didn't know if he was the guy. Was he? You know, is he a good running back or not? He's he went into the season as the backup for Damian Pierce and overtook the job for him as a starting running back, and he looked really good overall of the season. You had Nico Collins, who had a monster campaign for Houston this season, getting over 1,000 yards receiving, and really looking like a number one option for this team. Tank Dell, despite getting injured, he also looked really good for this team as well. So there's a lot to be you know happy about if you're a Houston Texans fan. And obviously, you went through all this stuff with Deshaun Watson. You mentioned the Bill O'Brien trades. 
And now you're at this point in the season where after all that crap you went through, now you go into the postseason. And who knows? You can maybe pull off a couple wins and make some noise. So who knows? Yeah, absolutely. But um, I'm, I'm not going to allude to the, uh, the the playoff picture because I think something difficult happens if it Browns in the uh, – there's a spoiler right there. And the Texans yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, but let's just skip right over that and talk to the team that did not make it to the playoffs after blowing the uh, number one overall seed, the Jacksonville Jaguars, led by Shad Khan, Tony Khan. Uh, uh, yeah, here we go. You know, the all the entire coaching staff, Doug Peterson, give yourselves a round of applause. Seven wins uh, they were seven, seven weeks ago. They were seven and three, tied with Baltimore, I believe, for the number yep, one seed. Seven wins seven weeks ago, and they won two games in that span. So, good job, guys. You had uh, I, such a – you could have had the number one overall seed, especially if the teams you played, disgusting. This is an absolute – this is malpractice. This is football malpractice. Um, it's one of the worst collapses I've seen. I would get rid of the entire coaching staff. And no offense to Doug Peterson, he but pretty much did. Uh, I think he has to go too. I know he won. I, I know he had a great last season, but I think I, I feel like that something like that is going to just kind of weigh on not, their head. And I put Trevor Lawrence in the hot seat too. Maybe, maybe Trevor Lawrence is a glorified Mac Jones right now. Oh, that's a bad statement. <laughs> that's not something you tell, want. Tell that's me not I'm, something you want. Tell me I'm wrong, though. No, Trevor. Listen, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if it's because of injuries that he's had listen, for the past couple I, I, weeks. I get it. This guy, what, when this guy was good. 15 years old, he was looked at as football Jesus. He was the second coming of uh, of Joe Montana, right? The second coming of Tom Brady. And uh, especially Potential what he did himself. And hype only gets you so far because, uh, but Trevor Lawrence, uh, the fans online that say. Oh, you have to give him time. His first year didn't count. Okay, fine. That's fine. He had the worst coaching staff in in history with Urban Meyer and all that nonsense. Then his second year came around. It's like, okay, he looked like a passable quarterback. You know, threw a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of picks, good completion percentage, had almost four thousand yards, had about four thousand yards of the season, makes the playoffs. That's great. Now this year happens. What's the excuse? He gets upgrades at his positions and he gets he becomes worse overnight. I don't. I'm not really too sure about that. I, I'm not sure what to think of this team because I think there's a lot of things that went wrong for them. Their defense really struggled throughout most of the second half of the season. Lawrence had those injuries that maybe, you know, hurt his gameplay. But at the same time, he wasn't making good decisions at the end of the day. And going, yeah, I mean, going from seven to three to nine and eight to end of the season, that's really bad. I mean, and considering this is against a Tennessee Titans team. That had nothing to play for. They were five and eleven going into the game, so they were just looking to play spoiler. And sure enough, they did. They didn't have Will. They didn't have Will Levis in this game. It was Ryan Tannehill. It was most likely was his final game as a Tennessee Titan, and was most likely would have been the final game for not only Derrick Henry as a Tennessee Titan, but for probably another lot. You know, a lot of these other players that were on the Titans this year, they're probably going to have a lot of cleaning house going into this offseason. and. They also made a big, you know, move going uh, earlier today, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But kudos to them for playing the spoiler because because of that win, that helped the Texans win the AFC South. So the Texans now will host a playoff game, and it clinched a playoff berth not only for the Pittsburgh Steelers but for the Buffalo Bills. So the Steelers they needed the help going into Sunday. They got it from the Tennessee Titans, and 
Buffalo did not have to worry about losing their game to Miami going into Sunday night because they've already clinched a, uh, a playoff berth. That game now essentially became for the division and who would get a wild card the other so, day, which we'll get into a little bit later on. So I'm going to go on the, a little bit more on the Trevor Lawrence hate train. Uh, who has a higher career QB rating, Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence? Oh, no, here we go. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, listen, I got to ask these questions. So who has a higher career QB rating, Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence? I guess it's going to be Mac Jones. I'm, it I'm is still, Mac Jones. Yeah, I'm, That's not good. No, it's that's not, not This good. is a guy that's getting run out of his team, and Trevor Lawrence is still being looked at as football Jesus. Listen, I, I hope he comes back stronger next year. I hope he has 115 QBR. He's going to have has, to. I hope he throws 55 touchdowns and has two picks on the year. I'm really hoping the best for him. But at one point, you have to kind of wake up, smell the coffee, and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe he can criticize him. I criticize Justin Fields a lot, and look, you know what? I, I I would say his his QBR is probably pretty similar to um the Trevor Lawrence right now, but they for some reason they're looking to replace Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence just has the he's it he's absolved all his sins. Yeah, Justin Fields uh, career passer rating eighty two point three three well, points low than Trevor Lawrence again, but that's a different. And this story. guy couldn't even throw the football until I know, last but year. That's it's a complete. The only difference of the situation is that the Bears have a number one have overall no pick. pick. I yeah, know, they, they yada have, yada yada. I know. I'm just saying that there's, that's the reason why that's a conversation. So I, I don't you, so, to put Trevor ahead. Lawrence on the Bears right now. I guarantee no one's talking about replacing him. That's that's the kind of point I want to make. Um, but I I not disagree with the the Doug Pearson thing either. I think he's not gonna get fired this year because. Just because it's now his second year and uh, he's won a division, should have won the second one, obviously. But this certainly puts him in the hot seat, I think. I think having a collapse like this now really puts a lot of questions going into your team because you had a lot of expectations after what happened last season going into this year, and it all went up into smoke. And now who knows what your team's going to look like next season. You're going to have a lot of new coordinators because you just fired a bunch of them uh, these last couple of days, so... Jaguars have a really tough offseason coming up for them, and this is not a, you know, they are in a bad state of mind. And you would have thought after what they dealt with with Urban Meyer that things would be happier for this team, but not, you know, not necessarily right now after what happened on Sunday. Listen, I know it's the Sunshine State, but it's not all Sunshine Rainbows down there right now. No, it is not. But their counterparts in Florida, they had another team that was trying to clutch a division title on Sunday. That was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was a very, very ugly game against the Carolina Panthers, but Tampa Bay was able to win that game nine to nothing. And despite not having Tom Brady this year, Johnson, Tampa Bay's going to the playoffs. It's the NFC South champions. Yeah. What a great story. Uh, Baker Mayfield, the only, the second only QB in Bucks history to also join Tom Brady throwing more than 4,000 passing yards in one, uh, in one season. That's a crazy stat, yeah. That's it's it's so the short list is Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, and listen, Baker Mayfield guy had a lot of criticism. Uh, multi year starter for the Browns got run out of town. They thought they they could do better. Um, starting Deshaun Watson, definitely not. Uh, they might have found a, a, a savior in Joe Flacco just for the season, but their long term QB plans are pretty bad. And Tampa Bay's looking nice and pretty right now. Yeah, and they will host a playoff game now because of that. They would ho- they'll host the NFC East loser, which we'll get into in just a second. But the Buccaneers are going back to the playoffs. Obviously, last year didn't work out for them in the playoffs against Dallas. But who knows? Maybe they can maybe maybe they can make a, make an upset. 
I considering with the team that they're playing in the in the uh, first round, there's a good potential that maybe Tampa Bay wins a playoff game or two in this upcoming NF, uh, NFC. Oh, I, am, I I think they're gonna do it. I really think they're gonna do it, and that's not just me just saying or trying to be a hater. Uh, after the last five weeks of this other team, I'm all, I'm all on this Tampa Bay hype train right now. And now keep in mind now we'll talk about what happened in the NFC because we went into um these this final week where the Cowboys and Eagles both having the same record, Dallas having the tiebreaker over the two teams, and essentially for Dallas all they needed to do was win against the Commanders and they're in, and if they lost, they needed the Eagles to lose to the Giants. Now Dallas they did their work. They it was a you know a struggle at the first you know the first half against the Commanders. They were able to go into halftime with a sizable lead, even though it didn't look like that on paper because they were struggling early on when it came to turnovers against Washington. But monster second half for them. Defense really showed out. Dak Prescott threw four touchdowns. They win 38-10. to 10. So they would clinch the NFC East. And I'll bring up the funny stat in a second before um, we go into our next topic. But even if they lost this game, they still would have been fine, Johnson, because somehow, some way. The Giants beat the Eagles on Sunday, and they did it in very convincing fashion. They led the entire way. Defense played phenomenal. They forced the Eagles to make a you know a couple changes on the offense because of the scenario where they were getting blown out. The Cowboys were winning big, so there was no point for the Eagles to do anything with their starters. So the Giants end their season, even though it was a really abysmal season, with the win. So I guess I was happy to see that. And because of that, the Cowboys... When the big NFC East blue wrecking crew came up big, they did. Tyrod was throwing dimes on that defense. Saquon turned back the cl- clock a couple of years, looked like Prime Barkley. Like he was back at Penn State and a good morale booster, letting the G men kind of dunk on the Eagles, losing games against the Cardinals, losing games against the Giants. Absolute disgust in Philadelphia. Uh, Nick Sirianni, is he on the hot seat now? Because we got to talk about it. Because All right, they started ten and one, they finished eleven and six. It's, I said this good. was like the eleven and zero Steelers team. It was give me those vibes. Listen, I get it. You lost against the Forty ers They are Super Bowl favorites. That's fine. You lost to Dallas. Well, you beat them earlier in the year. You kind of got you're gonna split, right? It's hard they to win split. at Dallas. Yeah, that's fine. Split. Seattle. That was a head scratch because Drew Locke was playing. That's a real head scratcher. I'm a, I, I always believe you should have locked in the pick, but I don't know about that when you when it's not even Geno Smith. Win against the Giants. Barely a win against the Giants. Uh, yeah. Because they had that huge second half meltdown, which if they don't really if they don't respond in the fourth quarter, the Giants played better offense in the first half. The Giants could have won that game. Yeah, that's what that's why. So then you lose against the Cardinals. Okay, that's bad. And then you lose against the Giants uh, in a must-win situation for you. Nick Sirianni's got to be in the hot seat now. And the funny stat stat about Johnson is the NFC East streak continues. This is now the 20th straight year that the NFC East will not have a consecutive uh, division winner. So the streak continues to go on for this NFC East. It's been – it's just – it's so funny how it happened. So – that just means that Dallas is not going to repeat next season as the NFC East champion. So I'm a, I'm perfectly content with it, even though most likely the Eagles will be in contention for it again next season. But I digress. The uh, yeah, I guess you know it's been a rough year for my Giants, but they were able to 
stunned me even because I did not think they had a chance at hell of winning this game. But they did it, and they did it in convincing fashion against a team that's pretty much owned them for the past couple of seasons. So it was a you know it was a nice way to end the year. But now we'll have to see what happens in the draft for them as we will talk about it a little bit, Johnson. The uh, the updated draft order after all these um, games that happened this Sunday because there was a lot of shakeup in the draft order after what happened, but. Another team that was trying to clinch a playoff spot this past Sunday was the Green Bay Packers. And we spoke about, you spoke about earlier about Jordan Love. He's really showing a lot of great development these last couple of weeks. And it's a big reason why the Packers are going to the playoffs as they held on to beat the Chicago Bears 17-9. So not a repeat of what happened last season where they lost a division rival in the final week of the season. It allowed the Seattle Seahawks to get into the playoffs because of it. Could have happened again if Chicago was able to pull off the upset, but the Packers defense did a great job against the Bears offense. They were able to just get enough good offense from Jordan Love, who threw for 316 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones added 111 rushing yards. And the Packers are going to the playoffs as a seventh seed, and they will be going to the Dallas Cowboys. So Mike McCarthy gets to coach against his former Green Bay Packers squad in the wild card week. But other but than that, we, Johnson, before Jordan we go Love, on, great I job. Watched, uh, yeah, I want to say one thing about Jordan Love. In 2008, a rookie quarterback by the name of Aaron Rodgers started for the Packers. He had a 63.5% completion percentage, 40, about 4,050 yards on the season, uh, 28 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, with a passer rating of 93.8. Jordan Love this year, 64.2% completion rate, uh, completion percentage, 4,150 yards, 32 touchdowns, 11 ints, 96.1%. Uh, Passer rating. Awfully similar to Rogers' first run numbers in Green Bay. You could say they're better than Rogers' first run. I know he has the extra game. That's why I'm not going to say they're better. So it's marginal. I'm, that's what I'm going to say. They're probably within. He's probably in reality within two touchdowns and about 200 yards. So I would say if he didn't have that extra game, he'd probably have about 3,900 and like 30 touchdowns. So pretty close to Aaron Rodgers, just maybe slightly better. But yeah, he was cooking. He's been cooking on the entire month of December. Uh, outside of that Giants game, where the Giants had a pretty good defense that game, 111.5, 109.1, 125.3, 128.6 passer ratings, uh, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, two touchdowns. Completion percentage, 60% was the lowest, all over 200 yards per game. So he was cooking in the month of, uh, the month of December and January. So really good on him. Uh, really only had two bad games going back to the month of November. I know he had kind of had a rocky start in September uh, and October, yeah. but really the last two months of the season, which is the most important time of the year, he absolutely killed it. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him next year. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of questions on on is he the guy, like can he be the quarterback for the Packers for the foreseeable future? And remember, it was it was funny because I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, it was fine. like week five. It's like oh, looks like he's a bust. I'm like, dude, he's played five games. Like, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was, the, it was more the, than five games. It was the Raiders game. Uh, that, yeah. that, that, and and to their credit, the Raider that that was a really bad game because the Raiders were you know. Oh, yeah, it was horrific. He had yeah, he, a, he had the worst he, game of his young career so far. Yeah, but again, he he's really a uh, he's a rookie, quote unquote. It's his first full time uh, starting job. So I'm gonna give him the full year. And. The thing about the Packers team going into the season was this was a team that was quote unquote rebuilding. Like this was, they were not, you know, they were content with, all right, we might not make the playoffs this season, but as long as Jordan Love looks good, then we're fine and with you. Them. Know. And 
not only did Jordan Love look good for them, they're actually making the postseason. So they are right back into it. And the NFC North fans, I'm sure, are not happy about Green Bay having another potential generational quarterback. Yep. And Lions fans are, even though they won the division, they are trembling in fear right now. They might be trembling in fear this upcoming Sunday, too, against the team that uh, gets a quarterback that they know very, very familiar. We'll talk about that in the mushing hour in just a little bit. But the final game that we had this week in Week 18, the pivotal AFC East matchup between the Bills and the Dolphins. Now, Buffalo, obviously, originally going into this game, had not clinched a playoff spot, but with the Jaguars win, it helped them clinch a playoff spot. So this game essentially was when it, it was going to be who hosts a playoff game and who gets the number two seat in the AFC. Um, if Miami had won Johnson, now we went over these scenarios uh, when we were watching this game. Miami wins the game. They would have been hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sorry, no. Miami won the game. They would have been hosting Buffalo again in a rematch in the following week. If the Bills won, they would host the Steelers. If they tied, then the Steelers would be facing Miami and Buffalo would be going to Kansas City. So there were a lot of different scenarios going into this game in terms of who would go to face each other in the wild card week. But a you know a slow start for Buffalo in the first half. They were able to pick it up in the second and then pretty much in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen had a very up and down game through two really bad interceptions, did have two passing touchdowns, and was able to hold on as the Bills defense played pretty strong in this game. Uh, obviously, not having Jalen Waddle really hurt the Dolphins' offense in this one. Tua had two bad interceptions, and it cost them this game as the Bills were able to hold on 21-14. to They end the season with a five-game win streak, and because of that, they clinched the AFC East and will have a, a home playoff game this year as they were the number two seed in the AFC now because of it. And now because of that, Miami, they will have to go on the road for this year's AFC playoffs. I'd like to congratulate Josh Allen for once again getting carried by his defense and special teams because, you know, generating 14 points on offense is the winning recipe, especially when you have three turnovers in that game and when you have a uh, kick return for a touchdown that also adds for the offense to kind of give you a spark. So uh, Josh Allen knew that kick return. He coordinated it. I saw him on the sidelines. He was coaching them through it. So uh, this fearless leader once again gets Buffalo their win. And keep in mind, people, that's from a Patriots fan. He was uh, he didn't care who won this game because he hates both of them. But, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to mention that he had over almost tw- over 25, um, 25 turnovers on the season, but that would be no fun, right? Well, either way, if, I, I mean, if my quarterback turned over the ball one and a half times a game, which they usually do, they, they get fired for that. And we don't know what's happening with Bill Belichick, so who knows? But I, either way, I mean... Say what you want about Buffalo, even if Allen played great or not. I mean, the fact that it's they go the, from two a choked. Well, yeah. I mean, that this has been the Dolphins. You know, no, we actually need to have because I kind of mentioned this a couple weeks ago with the whole uh, Tyree Kill being the elite floor raiser for this team for for Tua, and I'm starting to believe it more and more now. Well, remember what happened to his first year? They had to, they kept benching him sometimes for Fitzpatrick because he couldn't have any success. In, I mean, he's a field. rookie. But I'm not really gonna like. No, I understand, year, but I'm, I'm, saying, like, I'm saying that Tyreek Hill obviously helps you a lot in that scheme of things, especially when you are when you have another guy in Jalen Waddle, because you have two guys that are two of the fastest people in the NFL, and of course you're going to have an opportunity to throw, the, throw them the ball, because they're good playmakers like that. And once you lose one of those playmakers, then it hurts you in this grand scheme of things, and then 
that really hurts your confidence and it really hurts your gameplay. And it, it's been showing these last couple of weeks for Tua. Yeah, he threw almost a third of his picks in two games. But another problem for the Dolphins has been they're, they're, they've also had so many injuries on both sides of the ball. And that's really been a concern for them all season. And now they have to go into the playoffs where they're going to have to keep going with this next man up mentality. And who knows what happens with them. But on the other side for Buffalo, I mean, six and six, it looked like everything was going downhill for them. They went five straight to end the season after they made the offensive coordinating change. And offense didn't look great in this one. They were really up and down pretty much. But the fact that they go from a team that was looking like not to make the playoffs to now the two C in the AFC, it gives that fan base some hope once again. And now we'll have to see what they do in this year's playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I never like being on a long winning streak towards the end of the year. Like, I would want to drop a game to kind of like, okay, like you drop, like kind of like having Niners did two weeks ago because the, the pressure's there's less pressure on that because now if the Bills keep on winning, they'll be on like, what, a nine-game winning streak or an eight-game winning streak going into the Super Bowl? They would be on an eight-game win streak, yeah. Yeah, so that'd be for winning nine games. I mean, that's a those are lofty expectations right there. I wouldn't wish that extra pressure, but maybe they're built for it. And it's going to be interesting interesting to see how that they, develops they, over the course of his playoffs. It's it's going to be the age-old question. Can they finally get over the hump? That's that's what it's going to come down to. Been asking it since the mid-90s. But, Johnson, we have before we go into the mushing out, we have to discuss some of the bigger NFL news that's happened in the last couple of, four, you know, the last 48 hours. Three head coaching jobs have now become available as of this as of this recording. Now, obviously, we had the two openings before this five week of the season. Obviously, the Panthers and the Chargers made their their, uh, their two decisions. The Raiders also made a decision by McDaniel's, and obviously, we've seen Antonio Pierce take over. We'll have to see if he gets the head coaching job, nonetheless, for that. But three other head coaching jobs now are now available going into this upcoming NFL offseason, and there still is a potential for more to happen. The Falcons fired Arthur Smith after a third straight seven and ten season. So Shocker. a pretty much very bad tenure for him in Atlanta. A pretty much, you know, it came down to this. I mean, they drafted all these playmakers on offense. They realistically didn't use them in a great way. And now if you're a Falcons fan, you're hoping that whoever the next head coach is going to be can utilize them in the way that you're hoping that they can be utilized in. And, We'll see where they go from there, but yeah, I think for the Falcons fans, they were very excited to see the news of Arthur Smith being fired, and you can say the same about this other fan base, the Washington Commanders, as Ron Rivera has been relieved of his duties as the head coach of that team. Rivera did win a division title in 2020. That was the year where the NFC East had, let's just face facts, a really, really bad season, and no one should have made the playoffs, but Rivera is one of those guys like where he's one of the nicer dudes in the NFL, it's just... Nothing went right for Washington this season. They finished with the second-worst record in the NFL. They have the most salary cap space going into this year's offseason. So it will be a very lucrative job for anyone that wants to go to Washington, having the second overall pick, and having that much cap space. So Washington could be, surprisingly, a destination for a, you know a new head coach. And keep in mind, Johnson, I don't know if you saw the news about Bob Myers, the former Golden State Warriors GM. He's not going to help the Washington Commanders in this new head coaching uh, uh, search. So that's a pretty big get for the uh, Commanders to try to help them maybe get back into the playoffs very, relatively soon. 
Yeah, I mean it's gonna be a destination because uh, you can or you can count the Cowboys out of the uh, division title or next year already. So you can be against two other teams yeah. if that sh- if that streak continues. Nothing against the Cowboys because uh, obviously a great organization. It's just it's just, the, it's just uh, it's how it's just how that's how it is in the NFC. Division's gone. Yeah, yeah. And then the final news of head coaching job, which happened earlier today, was Mike Vrabel being let go by the Tennessee Titans. Now Vrabel's definitely going to be one of the hot, you know. One of the guys that teams will want to look out for to try to hire as a head coach, because I be a hot commodity. Yeah, I think he'll be a hot commodity. You know, I've always been not the biggest Vrabel fan. I've said it the past couple of years, um, especially last season after what happened with the Titans. They had a really rough year, and I thought Vrabel should have been fired then. But I was kind of surprised they made the move this year, and I think the only reason I can really justify for them doing this is because you could tell right now they're going into that rebuild. Derrick Henry's already thanking the fans for their time. And being a tight end for the past couple of years, so you know he's on the way out. They're going to have a lot new changes as well in terms of new players, new staff, and I think that's why they want to go with a new head coach. That way, they could have a you know a full on rebuild and see what that new coach can bring, especially with Will Levis at quarterback. But I, considering what happened on Sunday, Vrabel gets a nice send off with the team after that went over Jacksonville. He now we'll see what happens with him if he gets a head coaching job i would tend to think that one of these teams that are currently you know offering as a head coach if i, I could offer him the ideal know. situation yeah for vabril not to, for uh vabril not to cut you off is is it's the chargers that is the ideal situation for but, him. and if i can't get jim if i can't get jim harbaugh i'm calling mike vabril now let me ask you a question since you're a patriot fan i know you're gonna say no to this already what let's say if, if Belichick is gone, I want Vrabel. You want Vrabel? I want I okay. want Vrabel. I want someone f- from that coaching tree to take over. I, I don't want I don't want I don't want Gerard Mayer. No offense to him, I want Vrabel. Listen, Vrabel. Let's not forget he won a he won Coach of the Year not too long ago, just three seasons ago. He was the AP Coach of the Year for the NFL, so he yeah. knows what he's doing. Listen, he's not one of these super young guys that. Ha- is old, you know, solely off analytics where that's his religion. He's about late forties, so he's kind of that last. But I want to say the last of the old school head coaches, kind of like Dan Campbell, uh, over in um in Detroit. Kind of, I, I would say they're kind of comparable, uh, at least coaching styles. Would you uh, agree? Disagree? Yeah. No, I think it's you know one of the, he's one of those guys that where you know he learned under this mentor mentoring tree. Obviously, it led to him getting a job with the Titans as a head coach after he left New England, and he did a pretty decent job overall with it. Obviously, the last two seasons didn't go his way, but the Titans were a number one seed at one point, and this was with Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback. They beat that. No offense to you, but they went into New England and beat Brady in his final game as a Patriot. They had yeah, some really good say. moments the last couple of seasons. And yeah, if you remember that game, I remember being so pissed off watching it because. Vrabel was using the Belichick coaching method against the mid game and Belichick was getting ticked off. And I was too, but like he, I was just ticked off that he knew how to do it. Like he was, he was running the clock down the right way. Um, and he just kind of used, he was weaponized his own stuff against them, which was kind of cool to see, I guess in hindsight now, but at the time I was pretty mad about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely a, uh, an old school kind of guy. And I, if, if, that's my number one pick if they do move on from Belichick. He's on my short list, uh, number one. And I'm sure as soon as we record, finish this recording, Johnson, that, that news will probably break because that That's usually, usually how we push that. Yep. 
Yeah, it usually tends to happen when we uh f- we do these episodes, but it'll be interesting to see. I think that's another um that's gonna be interesting to see what happens with New England in the next couple of days because they're kind of one of the teams that you're trying to figure out are they gonna keep Belichick or not, and then you still have these other teams that are looking for a head coach in Carolina, Washington, uh, the Chargers, the Raiders. Now the Falcons are added to the mix. The command uh, I already spoke about it with the Commanders, the Falcons also. I mean, we who knows. Uh, what these teams will do and who they're going to hire. Obviously, there's a lot to look forward to in the offseason, and New England could be another team that gets added to the head coaching mix in the next couple of days. So we'll have to see if they move on for Belichick or not. But one thing we do know, Johnson, is it's finally time for Super Wild Card Week. And with Super Wild Card Week, we have the mushing hour for the first edition of this NFL postseason. I like calling it Super Wildcard Weekend. Get that alliteration, the two W's right, in there. But right. excuse me, we're gonna sp- we'll split hairs here, and I'm excited about this pushing right. hour. Um, I'm up nine units on the season. Nick is up seven, so kind of neck and neck right here. Uh, with that being said, let's get into it. For the first game, we have the Cleveland Browns going into Houston Energy Stadium, take on the Texans this Saturday. The first of two Saturday games. Cleveland, even though we're on the road, is favored by two and a half points over under slate at 44 and a half. Give me Browns minus two and a half to go into Texas. Joe Flacco is going to throw four touchdowns and three picks and lead his team to a victory. <laughs> now, Johnson, do you remember what happened the last time these two teams met just a couple weeks ago? I do not. I have short term memory loss. Amari uh, Cooper with a 265 yard day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's happened not too long ago and, and when these two teams met up. Well, I will and guarantee that won't happen again. That so definitely will not happen. And if it does happen again, yikes. That's a big that's a big yikes for the Texans. I I, I want to pick Houston so badly. Like I I really love the story of what they've done this season, but the Browns uh, something about Flacco. There's just something about this Browns team. Like Flacco's got everything going. They have a really good defense and a lot of people are believing in the hype that this team maybe could make it finally to the Super Bowl. This could be the Browns' best chance to make it to the Super it Bowl is. since this is the best that that Baker season Bill a couple years ago. This oh, is the best yeah. Belichick. So as much as I want to pick the Texans to win this game, I just I just think Cleveland is by is just a better team on paper. And I'm going to go with Browns minus two and a half as well. All right. There's the mush. Yeah. Next game we have, we have the uh, Miami Dolphins going on the road into Arrowhead stadium in Kansas City to take on the chiefs. The second game this Saturday, Kansas city at home is a minus four point favorite and over under slate at 43 and a half. Give me Kansas city minus four, because I really don't care what happens this game. I'm going to turn it off. Actually, I'll probably be uh, probably. Uh, it's on Peacock, and I'll probably Peacock be out for this exclusive. game. So, to the listeners out there, I'll be out in public watching this game. So, yay. Yeah. Kansas City, Kansas City minus four. Um, I'm not going to bet against them. And this Dolphins team is one in five versus teams above 500. Uh, fun fact about this uh, about this uh, Dolphins team. They, they are one in five against teams above 500, right? That's not good. No. What if I told you there is a four-win team that has more wins against teams above 500? And that would be the Arizona Cardinals. It's the New England Patriots. It's not the Cardinals? Uh, it's New England Patriots. It could be the Cardinals. Cardinals beat the Cowboys and the Eagles. Oh, but it's the it's them, too. 
Yeah, it has. Wow. To, I was gonna say, it had to. Because the, the Patriots are the, the Patriots beat the Steelers and they beat the uh, and they beat the Bills. So wow, Dolphins, the lowly Cardinals and the Patriots played better in bigger spots than you. Yeah, the teams, that, the teams that are picking three and four in this year's NFL draft. That's not. Yeah, it's not a good stat for them. Yikes, Miami. Uh, give me Chiefs uh, to win fifty-five to fourteen. You think the Chiefs are going to score that many points? I'm sorry, uh, Chiefs to win fourteen to three. Okay, that seems a lot more better. Uh, I'm going to take the under in this game. I'm not liking what I've seen from either of these two teams right now. I don't know if Jalen Waller and Mostert are going to play. I'm going to imagine they will play. Travis and Kelsey will have a sprained finger, and he will be a game-time decision. It, I mean, there's a lot. We have we didn't even talk about the story like going into the other game. I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson is going to be – I know he's not star for the Browns, but he's back in Houston for that game, so – there's a storyline for that game. The Dolphins, obviously. on the bench. Yeah. Uh, you have Tyreek Hill, obviously, rigging his return to Kansas City. Their first time he's going to Kansas City since being traded or actually requesting a trade from the Chiefs. So you have that storyline. We obviously will talk about the Packers and Cowboys storyline as well as the Rams and the Lions. But I just don't know where to go with this game. It's And for me, it's just the under. I think the Chiefs are starting to become that Jets tie you know, stat where no matter who they play, you're taking the under for the game because the Chiefs have had their struggles offensively scoring the last couple of weeks. The Dolphins have had their struggles the last couple of weeks as well. I, I just don't see I just don't see this being a high scoring game. I think the Chiefs win, but I it's gonna be like how what happened in, against the Dolphins and Bills game. It's gonna be like a 21-14, 21-17 type of game, I would say. Expect the defense for the Chiefs to win this one for them. Can't believe I'm listening. I, I'm gonna agree with you on that one, but Steve Spagnola, oh. baby, Giants legend, do it for do it we for the have, Giants. In the next game, the first of our Sunday night ga- uh, Sunday afternoon games, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road in the Orchard Park to take on the Bills. Bills at home are a minus ten point favorite. Thirty six and a half is the slated over under. Give me Steelers plus ten. It's Mason Rudolph season. He's gonna throw one touchdown for 155 yards. And the whole, there's a whole lot of defense. Uh, I know they're going to be missing uh, TJ Watt, but give me Steelers to cover Steelers plus 10. This game has been so tough for me to pick because I feel like the Steelers should cover because the Bills have had their struggles in covering games this season. But I feel like TJ Watt losing him is we re- We know how huge that is for the Steelers for their defense. Um. I just don't know what to think about this game. I think this could also be a very low scoring game because the Steelers, we know are going to run, the, try to run the football. That's been the biggest reason why they've been able to get past these last couple of games is them running the football, them milking a lot of clock. And if it works out for them when they're milk, you know, running the football, then, Hey, look at that. We're in the red zone and we can score right here. And I, that could be a struggle for Buffalo because the bills will obviously want to try to score quickly as possible. But I, I'm not sure what's going to happen in this game. I I'm going to take the over. I I don't like it because it's because of what I'm you know seeing in these two teams. But I think it's just such a low number that I have no choice but to take it. So let me go with the over for K- Pittsburgh and Buffalo in this game. Interesting to go with the over here. Yeah, I, I don't I like, like it, it though. I don't like it, but. 
Listen, so I didn't have to kind of do it. I didn't like what I did last night in the national championship game, and that actually went out to work perfectly for my favor, but I digress. All right, we have a couple games left here. Second game on Sunday, we have the Green Bay Packers going on the road to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys at home in Jerry World, 7.5-point favorites, 50.5 is a slate over-under. Give me Packers plus 7.5 here. Okay. I like what Jordan Love's been doing. They're not going to give him... They're going to give him nightmares about this game, kind of like Aaron Rodgers did a couple of years ago. But the Cowboys are going to persist and beat Green Bay this time. They're going to exercise those demons. So give me Packers plus seven and a half. Yeah, keep in mind, the Cowboys have had this long winning streak at home. And obviously, that could have been snapped in the Lions game. But you know, we're not going to talk about that. But the Packers have shown some really good strides the last couple of weeks. And despite other than that Giants game, they've looked like a really good football team. And now you go into this game with the Cowboys in which all, you know, there's not really, like, obviously you want to win playoffs, but, you know, move on in the playoffs. They could easily, you know, be like, oh, we lost, but still a really good season, and we we now look forward to the future. Or you win the game and, oh, look, we beat the Cowboys again in the playoffs, and we did it in Mike McCarthy, our former head coach. Uh... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Packers plus seven and a half as well. I think this is just a really disrespectful line to Green Bay. Next game we have we have the goofball bowl. We have the Los Angeles Rams going into Detroit to take on the Lions on Sunday Night Football, the last game on Sunday. Detroit is a three point favorite at home, and a fifty one and a half uh, is the slated over under. Give me Rams plus three here and the Jared Goff ball. Uh, the Matthew Stafford Bowl, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is so. I think this is for bragging rights on who won the trade. I it doesn't matter if the Rams oh, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, as I say, this is for bragging rights right here. Yeah. So give me Rams to cover, but not to win. So uh-huh. give me Rams plus three. You could make the case that this could be a very high-scoring game. Because there's a lot of playmakers on both sides of these two teams. I mean, uh, you have. I, we call him. I call him Puka Us. I call Puka you know, Us too. Yeah, it's Puka Us over there. Cooper we Cup. got Cooper Cup. Kyron we Williams have, has been good. Yeah, you have uh, Sam Laporta. I don't know what his injury status is. Though. I don't think he's going to play this week. That's unfortunate. I think they say I think they say he has an outside shot of playing. Yeah, it's it, it, the last injury report was encouraging, but doubtful. But you still have Jamison Williams and Amon Ra. Uh, so you still have some good playmakers in Detroit, as well as Montgomery and Gibbs. They've been really good for them this season. So, yeah, you're going to have a really good overall game. Um, I think when it comes to me, it's going to come down to, is Dan Campbell going to be an idiot? Because we saw what happened yes. in the Cowboys game. I think this could be. I think this is going to be a close game. I think the Rams have a lot. And, and you t- spoke about it. Stafford is going back to Detroit for the first time since this trade happened. And uh, and how fitting that it's the Lions' first playoff home game in 30 years. So there's a lot of storylines in this game. It should make for some great television. It should be a really fun game overall. I'm going to take the Lions minus three to win this one. I For me, I think when it comes down to the NFC, I think it's – it comes down to San Francisco and Detroit. I think those are the two teams that meet in the NFC Championship game, in my opinion. So I think the Lions get this done, but I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. 
and then Johnson. Are we you officially taking game. the over or I, no, uh, I'm just lines thinking, minus three? No, I'm just taking lines minus three. Sorry okay, for the, so uh, I'll put you, I, yeah, well, I'll I, put you down for uh, for one of them. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I could have made the case to do both, but I'm not. I'm not gonna take that chance. But okay, we'll lines go minus three. It is. Yep, lines Beautiful. minus three for me. So the final game and uh, the worst game to put on Monday Night Football out of all of these. This is yep. the this is the toilet bowl of the playoffs. Despite being two teams that uh, at least one team that had really, had really high expectations, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. You're are going on the road into Tampa Bay, uh, formerly known as Tampa Bay, for Monday Night Football to take on the Buccaneers. Philadelphia on the road is a three point favorite, and this slated over under is forty three and a half. With all that being said, all this nonsense, Philadelphia can't beat any good teams. Give me Buccaneers to cover in their home stadium. I don't know if they're going to win, but it's going to be a close game because it's Philly and they can't seem to uh, put any team away. It could, listen, it could be tw- it could be 28-0 at the start of the, uh, of the second half. I don't care. It's still going to end within three points. That's my guarantee. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, this game's. Uh, I I don't really. This game kind of reminds me of what happened last year with with uh, the Cowboys went to, to Tampa, where the Buccaneers were under five hundred. They weren't really playing good football, and the Cowboys they weren't even playing good football either at the time. And I'm getting very similar vibes from this game as well. Obviously, the Eagles have had their struggles. Tampa Bay barely won the division. Um, I see this being a very low scoring game. I'm not going to take the under, but I'm going to take the Eagles minus three. I think they win this game, but I think they go into San Francisco next week, and that's where they lose. They just have not looked good, and I don't see any conviction as to them moving all the way back, going back to the Super Bowl this season. I, I just the it, it pretty much run, the road to the Super Bowl runs through San Francisco, and I can't see, even if they win this game, I can't see them beating the Niners after what happened earlier in the season. So I will take the Eagles minus three, but I'm not very confident in it. All right, I hope that I mushed them. And that will conclude our Super Wildcard Weekend edition of the Mushing Hour. And before we sign off today, Nick, do you have anything for our listeners at uh, at home? Uh, I hope the Packers and Buccaneers both win this week. How about that? All righty, Van. I, I like it. I like the attitude. And I'm not I know you're hoping. I was gonna say you're hoping for the Chiefs, but actually, I don't. I take that back. I I don't know who I'm. I'm hoping for Joe. You hope Flacco the, you're Super at Bowl. least hoping for the Steelers to win. I know that. I'm hoping for the Browns to win. If I could have anything I'm happen, Browns. I want Cleveland to win. Okay. This is for you, Cleveland. Your your postseason restrictively relies on this uh, the Brown the Browns winning. Yeah, or over Forty Niners. That's that's my dream Super Bowl. Um, Forty Niners, Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, it would be the Browns' first ever Super Bowl appearance if it were to happen, but. If it were to happen, we will definitely recap it on this uh, on this show. Obviously, a wild regular season is done and over with, and now we are in the postseason. So we'll see how wacky it can be going in to the next couple of weeks and who gets to the Super Bowl ultimately at the end of the season. But that will do it for tonight's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. As I mentioned, week 18 in the books. We now know the 14 teams in this year's NFL playoffs. All 14 will look to go into the Super Bowl with high aspirations and try to win a Super Bowl championship. Who will it be? Could it be one of the top favorites? Or will one of these wildcard teams maybe sneak into the Super Bowl and pull off a major upset? We'll have to find out and see what happens. This will be. This is Nicholas Vona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas Outbreak Sports Show. Have a great rest of your week.